What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is January the 8th, 2021. Uh, And what a uh, week it has been. I thank you so much for joining me. I know I've been out for the last two weeks uh, trying to catch my breath, um, trying to figure out what in the world is going on. But I wish all of you a very happy, healthy, peaceful, and safe New Year. You know, I I, I thought I had seen it all, and we are living um, truly in perilous times, in my view. What we witnessed this week at the Capitol uh, was sickening. Five people dead, the police officer killed, a young woman literally uh, bleeding out in front of the cameras. Uh, I I don't even know what to say. I've lost people to cancer in my family, including my first wife many years ago when she was roughly the same age as that woman who was an Air Force veteran. Um, My first wife died of cancer. This woman died of a bullet. And the violence was senseless. And, um, you know, I've been supportive of many of President Trump's policies. Full disclosure, uh, I voted for him. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I was alarmed at uh, Hillary Clinton's statements on immigration. And you know I'm an immigration guy. I spent Um, my adult life dealing with immigration as an agent, as an adjudications officer, going before Congress, even being involved in the legislative process to an extent, helping to get laws drafted and and passed. So immigration is something that I'm intimately familiar with, and perhaps more than most people, I understand the clear nexus between uh, various aspects of the immigration crisis and how it impacts just about everything. And when Donald Trump came along and said, well, we're going to secure the border, we're going to build the wall, I said, well, what's the choice? And he did some amazing things. He did some truly incredible things, things that people thought could never be done, brokering a major peace deal in the Middle East, not just with Israel in one country, but between Israel and a number of Arab countries. Great accomplishment. Got the economy going, putting Americans first. And what we saw um, on the 6th, I don't even know what to say. Now, I, let's be clear. Uh, there was a lot behind this that goes well beyond President Trump. Um, you know, when I studied political science, I took a, a broad spectrum of classes when I went to Brooklyn College more years ago than I want to think about. I had a political science professor who said something, and it stayed with me. You know, sometimes you just are at a, at a place where someone says something and it stays with you forever. And this political science professor said, that when the citizens of a country feel that their government lacks legitimacy, riots and, and, and revolution follows. Well, think about what's been going on, not just since President Trump has been elected. President Trump is the result of what has been happening in America for decades. I mean, I just want you to think about it. We need to look back and ask ourselves, how did we get to this point? How in the world did we get to this point? And I remember when President Eisenhower heard that Sputnik was launched, he immediately came out and said, we need to make certain that American students get the science and math education they need so America can lead to keep our country safe and strong. And he was right. I was a science guy. Um, I was going to be an aerospace engineer. Two of my kids are engineers. I'm proud of all of my kids. They're all very successful, well-educated, honors students. But two of my kids are actually mechanical engineers. That was my dream. I wanted to design spacecraft and airplanes. 
And in fact, because of that, I was in fifth grade when Sputnik was launched. I was called upon by my teachers to teach an hour of science every Thursday, and they actually had another class come into my class. So it was a double class, and there I was in front of the room teaching about science, fifth grade. I started teaching myself astronomy in third grade. I was one of those nerds. Back then, we were called eggheads. But the president never would have said back then, let's figure out what country we can go to to get the world's best and brightest, because Eisenhower's position and that of Kennedy as well, American kids must be the world's best and brightest. And look at the achievements of America, second to none. We went to the moon over 50 years ago. Yes, we used German scientists, and, and to be fair, I consider them war criminals. They were involved with the V-1 and V-2 uh, rockets that were used as weapons against the civilian population of England. Uh, a messy situation. Von Braun used slave labor at Panamunda where he built the rockets. So I have no rose-colored visions about who these characters were, but our government, our leaders, made a determination that this was about national security, so it was worth bringing them here, and they were under tight safeguard uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, as I recall, when they first came to the United States. They took them a long time to be trusted by our government because they were part of the Nazi war machine. But from a strategic military science perspective, the scientists in the United States, the engineers in the United States said, you know what, if we can bring these people here and some of the materials they, they built at Petamunda, which is where the rocket center was for the Nazi regime, we can leapfrog progress by 20 years. And the Russians did the same thing. Say what you will, that's how it happened. But for the most part, many of our achievements came from Americans of every race, every religion, every ethnicity, men, women. Think about um, that wonderful movie, uh, 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 Hidden Figures, about black women or uh, a black woman uh, and, and several other black women at NASA who did the mathematical computations to get our early astronauts into orbit, including John Glenn, and how they were treated horribly and they fought for equal treatment. And, and, and so this is why it's important to not erase history, to look at the role models, the people who fought the good fight and succeeded and were the pathfinders for all who followed. Those women who were called computers back then because they really didn't have computers per se, then they started to bring computers in, but their, their official job title was computer. They were treated like garbage. They had segregation going on. And then NASA ended the segregation. It breaks your heart to see what they went through. You think about the Tuskegee Airmen. I had the privilege of working with a member of the Tuskegee Airmen back when I was in college. He was a fighter pilot. And they did an incredible job of protecting our bombers going after the Nazis over Europe. They protected the bombers flying P-51 Mustangs, one of my favorite airplanes. But that's why it's important to not erase history, but to learn from history, to see the battle to give credit to those who have the guts to stand up and say you're not going to get away with that nonsense. They're role models. And when you erase history, you're erasing role models. When you erase history, you're erasing the struggles that, that these folks went through, and the battles they fought, and the battles they won to achieve equality and make America that more perfect union that we've been trying to do since this country was, was brought into existence. And the world has flipped upside down and sideways. The cancel culture and the frustration of Americans. And when we started to bring in foreign workers, do you know what started to happen, folks? I will tell you what started to happen. And I'm not talking about the exceptional ones. Because I always hear that business. You wouldn't have allowed Albert Einstein to come to America. You wouldn't have allowed Elon Musk to come to America. By the way, Elon Musk just achieved an amazing first. He is now the wealthiest man in the world. Think about that. Elon Musk, who came to the United States through Canada from South Africa, is now the world's wealthiest man, and he lives in the United States. He's an American. He's running SpaceX, and SpaceX uh, has gotten astronauts up to the space station. What an amazing tribute to what this man's capable of doing. He started PayPal uh, to say genius, to say that he's... Um, uh, a renaissance man of so many talents and interests would be an understatement. I have no problem with people coming to the United States legally, but the, the arguments you hear, oh, well, you don't want immigrants to come in. You're anti-immigrant. You want secure borders. That's baloney. When I worked for the INS, I spent the years in the adjudications officer admitting 
uh, or, or granting green cards to people that were married to American citizens and resident aliens. And I was thrilled when their marriage appeared legitimate, that they were entitled under the law to become resident aliens. I was happy. It put a smile on my face as much as it put a smile on their face when I could approve the green card. We were all the same way. This isn't about being anti-immigrants, but corporate America started to think, gee whiz, why are we bothering to hire Americans and we can go to India or other countries and get people who will work for a fraction of the money that Americans would expect to be paid under conditions that are substandard, not just the illegal aliens doing manual labor, but even the high-tech visas, and that really proliferated under the Clinton administration and, and, and the Reagan administration, both sides of the aisle, gave us the amnesty, the visa waiver program, all kinds of crazy stuff. Not in the best interest of the average American. And then you could hear Ted Cruz running around saying, for America to lead, we need to bring in the world's best and brightest. Hey, Ted, how about making damn sure that the Americans are the world's best and brightest and continue the tradition of achievements that are second to none? So increasingly, Americans began to realize that the American dream was out of their reach, and they became frustrated and angry. Before COVID, how many people would say to you, I don't think my kids are going to live as good a life as I've lived? The American dream was that the next generation would do better than the parents that preceded them. And suddenly, that started to evaporate. We flooded America, not with the world's best and brightest, but with the world's cheapest and most compliant, people who could be exploited, Think about that. That's not compassion. That's not moral. That's not decent. Certainly not pro-American. If you want to talk about being pro-American, then you need to talk about Americans. America isn't highways and mountains and streams and national parks and shopping malls. Yes, that's part of what America is, universities and all kinds of stuff, factories. Yes, that's true, seaports and restaurants and baseball stadiums. But America, when you get to the heart and soul of America, you need flesh and blood. The flesh and blood of Americans. America is not doing well when Americans are not doing well. And the more foreign workers we brought in, who, by the way, sent money out of the country like it was going out of style. Mexico just reported, incredibly, that last year they set a record for remittances, money being wired from the United States to Mexico by their citizens working in the United States. They didn't delineate whether they are working legally or illegally. But the point is, any foreign worker working in the United States is taking a job and money that should go to an American. It's just that simple. And I'm not being xenophobic. And I don't care where these folks come from. You don't give money to charity if your own kids are going to bed hungry at night. It's very simple. Anybody who would be stupid enough to allow their child to go to bed hungry while giving money to charity should lose custody of that child. A parent's obligation is to look out for the best interest of their children before they do anything else. If, God forbid, there's a fire or a school bus crash and the parents show up, who are they going to rescue first? Their own children. And then if they can go back to seconds and grab someone else's kid, of course they're going to. But it stands to reason that countries owe their citizens first allegiance. Doesn't that make sense? But increasingly that stopped happening. Increasingly, we heard this nonsense about the work Americans wouldn't do, couldn't do, not smart enough, not strong enough, not gutsy enough. Are you serious? And this nonsense being spewed by people that we elected to represent our best interests, and you're hearing this from both sides of the aisle. These aren't left-right issues, folks. These are right-wrong issues, and increasingly Americans were getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And one day my youngest son said to me, you know, Dad, it's amazing when you see these car commercials – they very rarely tell you what the price of the new car is, but they tell you how much you could lease the car for. Isn't that a good barometer about how screwed up the economy is? And then we see homelessness going through the roof. And there's hearings about terrorist organizations, Hezbollah, Hamas, Quds forces, the shock troops from Iran operating throughout Latin America, smuggling aliens and drugs into the United States, plus sleeper agents after 9-11. So you would think, common sense, secure the border. The best way? Build a wall. Oh, we can't do that. We have to go high-tech. Why high-tech? Well, you spend a lot of money on high-tech that doesn't work. Studies have been done that show that those drones are very expensive. They cost millions and millions of dollars. And a couple of years ago, the study showed that the drones were involved in fewer than one-half of 1% of all arrests. So why were we doing it? It's the magic act to convince Americans 
that, look at that, we're securing the border just like you made, you wanted, while making damn sure that the flood of drugs and the flood of cheap labor came across that border unabated. You know, I always make the point that the immigration system has morphed into a delivery system, delivering an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. That's not about compassion. And there's always room for more oarsmen on a slave ship, isn't there? An unlimited supply of foreign tourists. That's why, even after 9-11, we kept expanding the visa waiver program, and it should have ended. 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11. We now have 39 visa waiver countries. Uh, President Trump only added one country to that list, Poland, about a year ago. How in the world do you go from 26 to 39 after we were told by the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, by the way, because I've investigated and arrested terrorists? How do you ignore the 9-11 Commission and say, let's expand the visa waiver program? Why? Because around 2006, 2007, the Chamber of Commerce and other globalist organizations went to Congress and said, we have a crisis, and the crisis is our borders aren't open enough. We need to flood America with tourists and students and on and on. And that's what, what it delivers, an unlimited supply of exploitable labor and an unlimited supply of foreign students. We've educated the Chinese engineers who built that military and hacked our computers, and they were educated right here in the good old U.S. of A. An unlimited supply also, by the way, folks, of clients for immigration law firms. And you have immigration lawyers on both sides of the aisle. Comprehensive reform that Joe Biden is touting now isn't designed to get the aliens out of the shadows. That's bunk. That's the big fat lie. It's designed to get the aliens into the waiting rooms of a law firm so they can make out literally like bandits. And no one's even thinking to step two, because if you legalize these folks, they're immediately going to be able to bring their children here. So if let's say there's 25 million illegal aliens and they have four kids each, you wind up with 100 million. 100 million people coming to America. And Biden and, and the people that he's putting into his cabin, the people like Alejandro Mayorkas, go to Mayorkas, front page magazine about Mayorkas. He has a long history with immigration. He was investigated by the Office of Inspector General for improper practices of showing political favoritism to people who shouldn't have gotten high-tech visas, ordering his people to get to yes to prove applications when the 9-11 Commission warned that immigration fraud was pivotal, was the key method of entry and embedding, not just for the 9-11 hijackers, but for almost all of the terrorists that they examined in the decade leading up to 9-11. So we keep seeing this happening. And you have sanctuary cities releasing criminals out onto the streets and people are saying, what the hell are they doing? People are being killed by people who shouldn't be here. People are taking jobs who shouldn't be here. And if you as an American get money illegally, you launder money, you sell drugs, you engage in some fraud activity, the government will come along and they will take your money. They will take what you bought with that money, your car, your house, your jewelry, doesn't matter. It's ill-gotten through asset forfeiture. We will shake you until your pockets are empty and you don't even have lint in your pockets. Okay, that's fine. But meanwhile, the, the Democrats want to give economic stimulus money to illegal aliens who shouldn't be, who shouldn't be working. We're to give them driver's licenses. How else can they go to work? They're not supposed to be working. The immigration laws used to be enforced by the Labor Department to protect American jobs and the wages of Americans. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, was tough on immigration to get Americans working during the Depression. Well, we're basically in a depression now because of COVID, aren't we? I wake up in the morning and there's a synagogue about two blocks from my house, and I look at that synagogue and there's a line of cars that stretches about a half mile. And these are nice cars. These people bought those cars or maybe leased those cars because they had good jobs, had past tense. And they're very courteous, they're good-natured about it. They must be cringing, sitting in their car for hours, waiting to eat, waiting to feed their family. Where's the legitimacy that our government has? This disaster has been a long time coming. The news media can no longer be trusted. I'm not just saying it's fake news. I can tell you it's fake news. I've done interviews where I've had my words twisted sideways. After 9-11, I was averaging 20 to 30 television interviews per month on all the networks. MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, ABC. I, was, I did one interview over at the Today Show. We taped that one. TV doesn't want to hear from, from anybody who understands immigration anymore. If you dare suggest secure the border, protect the American people, make sure criminals and terrorists don't get into the country, you're a xenophobe, a hater, 
to his credit, Donald Trump, when he heard that the pandemic was, was, was revving up in China, he cl- cut off the entry of aliens into the United States from China for fear that people coming from China would bring with them the COVID virus. When he heard that it was coming in from Italy also, Europe, he shut that down. And he was accused of being a xenophobe. And who could forget Nancy Pelosi in California and, and Cuomo here in New York? Go to Chinatown. It's the Chinese New Year. If you're not willing to celebrate the Chinese New Year because of a silly virus, you're a xenophobe, a hater, and a bigot. Okay. When Trump said, let's protect ourselves, he was a hater and a bigot. Now, of course, they complained that he didn't do enough. The problem with Donald Trump is a two-sided problem. Problem one, as they said in that movie, Cool Hand Luke, if you saw that old movie with Paul Newman, we have here is a failure to communicate. Donald Trump, in my judgment, has done a piss-poor job of communicating the things he did and why he did them. I wish he did a better job. Words matter. Words matter. And we certainly saw how words matter this past week. Words matter. My mother, may she rest in peace, came to America as an immigrant, legally, 13 years old, lived by herself in a rooming house, supported herself by working in a sweatshop, making umbrellas for all of $3 a week back then. And she became a chief buyer for a dress company during the Depression when she was in her 20s with just a fourth grade education. And her boss, the owner of the company, frequently pointed to her as the reason he made so much money that he became one of Roosevelt's dollar a year men. She was brilliant. Both of my parents are very, very smart. They didn't have formal education, but they were smart. There is a world of difference, I will tell you, between being smart and being educated. They don't necessarily coincide. Not necessarily. And she said, Mike, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And when you open your mouth and that word comes out of your mouth, for all the money in the world, you can't get that word back any more than you can't get a bullet back if you pull the trigger on a gun. What an analogy. Words have impact just the way that bullets do. Think about that. So Donald Trump had another problem besides the fact that he was not an effective communicator in my judgment. And everyone said, well, he's communicating with his base. As the president, you need to be able to get all Americans to try to get behind you, to understand what you're doing and come to understand that what you're doing is in their best interest. He didn't do that job the way he needed to. He'll be blunt about that. The debate with Biden was atrocious. I'll be blunt about that, and I've spoken about that here. When he stood there and and yelled at Biden, go ahead, say law enforcement, Joe, can you say it? I will tell you, I was was on debating teams in high school and college. My degree was in communications. Um, I was going to teach debate on the college level and or become a journalist and not the opportunity to become a federal agent uh, came on the scene to me. So I've been doing this for many, many years. I began debating when I was 14. That was dumb. What he needed to ask Biden is, have you read the 9-11 commission report? Why would you want to legalize so many people that there'll be no interviews, no way to know who the hell they are? Why would you do that and destroy jobs and wages for Americans and overburden the infrastructure of our cities from coast to coast and border to border? That's what he needed to talk about. I wish he did. Maybe it would have been a different situation. Early on, same problem. That said, Donald Trump did something, though, that scared the hell out of the political elite, the news media, the lobbyists, which is a huge industry in Washington, and everyone else. I think of Donald Trump as the whistleblower-in-chief, and whistleblowers don't fare well. I was a whistleblower. I was at war with my agency for many years. I testified before Congress without permission. They eventually forced me to leave um, because they, they didn't want the word out there. They were more about covering their backsides than they were about getting the job done. That wasn't an issue even after 9-11, even though after those ashes landed on my home. And I testified before numerous congressional hearings. And everyone for a while was geared up. We've got to protect ourselves. If you look at the, the, the transcripts of those hearings, both sides of the aisle got it. We've got to protect ourselves. Our border is our first and last line of defense. Makes sense. And then the Chamber of Commerce got involved, and the politicians have a short memory, and the politicians are bought and paid for by the lobbyists. Along comes Trump, who says, I don't need your money. Holy crap. You got a guy running for president who doesn't need the big bucks? What, what does that mean? He can do anything he wants. And then he started to call everybody out on all the things that were going on 
that was screwing American workers over. Think about it. He, real, he tried to negotiate with China, realized what they were doing, and he said the hell with that, and he called China out. China went nuts. There were articles written about how Joe Biden and the tech industry in California wanted reconciliation with China, the country that wants to eat our lunch and take over the world. They're a communist dictatorship. So while you have these athletes kneeling on one foot wearing Nike sneakers that may have been manufactured in forced labor camps in China, what we heard about was how slavery was brought to the United States in 1619. Thank you, New York Times. They also were reluctant to report on the Holocaust and it infuriated me to listen to Biden talk about Goebbels and the Holocaust. My family was decimated in the Holocaust. My mother got out of Poland, but her mother could not. I was named for her. She was killed in Poland during the war. And if you want to talk about the tactic of the big lie, we've been getting that from the media right along. And we're even hearing it now when you hear Kamala Harris say that, oh, well, you know, BLM protesters wouldn't have been treated the same way as those protesters that stormed the Capitol. A woman was shot to death. Four other people are dead, including a police officer. They, wouldn't have, they, they used tear gas on, on, on those peaceful demonstrators during the summer. They weren't peaceful. You saw the, the footage. There was a fire set in, in the church across the street from the White House. Dozens of federal agents trying to protect the White House were injured and went to the hospital. Peaceful. You have the news media with the backdrop of burning cities saying that the demonstrations are basically peaceful. Now, what's so amazing is you listen to Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, and you listen to these other journalists, so-called. If you're frustrated, you have the right to protest. And who says protesters have to be polite? You had Maxine Waters say, get in their faces. You had Hillary Clinton that I'd never seen this before. This was a first to me, and it infuriated me and concerned me greatly. It wasn't enough to go after your opponent. You expect that in politics. Politics is a, is a dirty business. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Instead of telling you what they're going to do on our behalf when they run for office, frequently what politicians do is attack their opponent, where, even if they have to make it up. Even if they have to make it up. Who can forget Harry Reid Harry Reed claiming that Mitt Romney, and I'm no Mitt Romney fan, but he claimed Mitt Romney never paid his taxes. And he made the claim from the floor of the Senate because the cute thing about the floor of the Senate is you can say anything you want if you're a senator from the floor of the Senate and you can't be sued for libel. Think about that. Mitt Romney never paid his taxes, and everyone went nuts. Mitt Romney might have won the election if it wasn't for that claim, which pissed everybody off. After the election, an investigation was done. It's great how it was done after the election. And they approached Reed and they said, you know, Senator, uh, we did an investigation and Mitt Romney paid his taxes. How do you account for what you said? And I'll never forget Harry Reid looking into the camera with a big smile, and he said, yeah, who won the election? So we're always voting for the lesser of two evils. Instead of saying, this is what I'm going to do that's good, don't vote for him because he's bad or she's bad. What a food fight. Who can believe any of this garbage? Lie after lie, promises after promises. And you've got to admit Trump kept many of his promises. But the politicians, the political elite, looked at Donald Trump, and I'm convinced they said, oh, my God, this guy isn't the conventional player. He's not going to do things our way. And in the middle of all this, you have Hillary Clinton not attacking Trump only, and we're seeing it now again, but attacking the millions of people who supported Donald Trump, calling the supporters of Donald Trump the basket of deplorables. The basket of deplorables. Remember that? The basket of deplorables. And I said, why are you attacking Americans? We're entitled to vote for anyone we want. And if you want to win us over, then provide us with a clear path to what you would do that would be in our best interest, and then we'll vote for you, perhaps. That's how a free election is supposed to work in a democratic republic. That's how you hold politicians accountable. And it was nasty. It was vitriolic. The basket of deplorables. Why? Well, again, if you want a secure border, you're a xenophobe. No, not at all. The people most likely to be killed or attacked by transnational criminals are the members of the immigrant community of the same ethnicity. <clears throat> not just from Latin America. I wish Trump was better on that issue. You know, there's a lot of bad hombres out there. No, there's a lot of bad criminals out there from all over the world. I know. 
I've arrested people from all over the world. I got an award from the government of Japan. They certainly aren't Latino. I work closely with the Israeli National Police. I don't think I'm an anti-Semite. I'm Jewish. I was a B'nai B'rith president back in college. I arrested people who violated the law and were creating a problem for people in the United States, creating a problem for our... And if you want to check out what the law is about, I always make this recommendation, but go ahead. Title Eight. United States Code, Section 1182. It lists all the categories of aliens who are to be kept out of the country. Not a word about race, religion, or ethnicity. If it did, I couldn't have done the job for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. It's about aliens with dangerous diseases and mental illness. Ellis Island, after all, was a quarantine station, right? Aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human traffickers and drug smugglers, pimps, and uh, a whole bunch of characters who are dangerous. Aliens who would become a public charger, if they worked, would displace American workers, cost them their jobs, or at the very least drive down their wages. What is wrong with that? And by the way, every year up until this year, because of COVID, we've been admitting more immigrants than the rest of the world combined, roughly more than one million. We've naturalized more than a half million new citizens every year. There are many countries that will never give you citizenship unless you were born there. We have the most generous immigration policies of any country in the entire world. But if you listen to the lies in the media, they're anti-immigrant, they're xenophobes, they're haters. We hear it all the time. We hear it all the time. These are lies. So if you want to talk about telling the big lie, it started when Jimmy Carter said you can't use the word alien or illegal alien if you work for the old INS. We're going to call them undocumented immigrants. So the outgrowth of that is if you dare to suggest that we keep people out of the country, whether they're criminals, rapists, drug dealers, terrorists, you're anti-immigrant. No, I'm pro-enforcement. But all of these policies frustrated the hell out of Americans. Suddenly, Americans couldn't go out and buy that new car. They couldn't go on that vacation. They had to downsize their expectations for success in America. And then you're hearing on the conservative side, well, capitalism doesn't promise outcome. It only promises opportunity. I was on a conservative radio show. And I said, what a remarkable statement. Capitalism doesn't provide a guarantee of outcome. It only provides the guarantee that you will have opportunities if you can avail yourself of the opportunity. And I, and I questioned this host whose program I was on. And I said, do you agree with that statement? He said, absolutely, absolutely. Capitalism is about opportunity, not outcome. I said, you're wrong. He said, I'm not wrong. And we had this back and forth. He said, Prove to me I'm wrong. I said, explain the golden parachute. Some company hires some guy for $10 million, $100 million. Pick a number. And then they tell him, even if you have to leave, you're guaranteed walking out the door with $20 million, $30 million, whatever. That's the golden parachute. Think about it. Isn't that a guarantee of outcome? But only for the people at the top of the food chain. This is corporate welfare. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I disagree with her 99% of the time, but broken clocks are right every 12 hours. And she rails about corporate welfare, as do I. Full disclosure, I'm registered as a Democrat. I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat, but I'll never, I, I won't say never, but I, I, I'm very uncomfortable with becoming a Republican because I don't see heroes on either side of the aisle. These aren't Democrats today. They're the anarchists. They're the fascists blocking free speech teaching that to our kids where they now believe that free speech isn't necessary. That scares the hell out of me. And there was breaking news, and I'll get to that in a moment, and you better fasten your seatbelt when I tell you what was just announced tonight. So you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and the argument was about whether or not Amazon should be able to build a facility in New York City and not have to pay taxes. And there were people on the conservative stations over at Fox, mixed bag. They're not all the same individuals. Oh, my God, what is she doing? They would take all, they would create all these great jobs. They would make all these great jobs. And that would be wonderful. And, 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 and she's going to keep them from coming here. And I thought, my goodness. Ocasio-Cortez said, no, you can't do that. That's corporate welfare. And I happen to agree with her on that issue. If the standard is that any company that creates a job shouldn't have to pay taxes, and that should apply to the local pizzeria, the local gas station, uh, the tailor, 
you know, name the company. If they hire people, the local supermarket, then they shouldn't have to pay taxes. It's supposed to be equal treatment under the law. But if you're going to tell the, the guy that has six employees that he has to pay taxes, but Amazon doesn't, that's baloney. But Ocasio-Cortez ignores the biggest form of corporate welfare. What is that? The importation of an army of foreign workers that have displaced American workers, driven up the cost of housing, driven down wages, and exponentially increased homelessness around the United States. Outrageous. So when the American people look at this and they see the homelessness and the hopelessness, kids coming out of school with degrees, they spent a fortune on those educations, and they can't get the job that they've been so perfectly trained for, does the government seem to still represent their best interests? Is this still, as Lincoln would have described it, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? Which people? Oh, and the Supreme Court said that companies are constituents. Is that what the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights talk about? We the people, or we the corporations, or we the CEOs? So people were angry. And Donald Trump comes along and says, put Americans first. That's something that I had said to a bunch of people. So when politicians say, put America first, they said, no, change that. Put Americans, the people, first. He didn't do a perfect job of it, but he, he took pretty good strides. Wages were going up, tightening up immigration, building the border wall, and then he was accused of hatred. And the courts tried to block him, and Congress, both sides of the aisle, tried to block that border wall. It's a wall of hate. You're trying to keep people out from Mexico. Again, the failure to communicate. If Donald Trump had said, wait a minute, that border wall isn't supposed to stop a single person from entering the United States. It's not. Now, you're probably thinking, I've lost my mind. They've got this big wall across the border. Isn't it supposed to stop people from coming into the country? Absolutely not. What do you think of that? If the border wall was supposed to stop people from entering the United States, it would have blocked off our ports of entry, but it doesn't. The border wall funnels all traffic, all people, all trucks, all commerce through ports of entry. You know what I compare the border wall to? The velvet rope at the bank that guides the customers of the bank to the next available teller. What is wrong with that? And then we have elections, and any time that the suggestion is made that you have to show ID to vote, the Democrats immediately scream what? Voter suppression. When you make a purchase and you have a credit card, think back before COVID, if you can think that far back. You walk into a store and you say, gee whiz, I'll have three pairs of jeans, four shirts, and and a couple pairs of socks. And the guy says, okay, Mr. Cutler, that comes to $253. And I hand him my credit card, and he says, can I have some ID, please? Well, you got my credit card. Yes, sir, I know. We have a problem with people using credit cards that don't belong to them. I'm sorry to insult you. I hope I didn't. May I see your driver's license? Then you give him the driver's license. Should we call that consumer suppression, like voter suppression, because you're asking to see ID? Is it passenger suppression that you're supposed to show ID before you get on an airplane? What do you call it when you have to show ID to enter a government building or enter a corporate building? Right? ID, please. That's the norm. You get pulled over for driving your car, license or registration. But go vote without ID. You're suppressing the vote. It's about trying to make certain that the voting process has integrity. So when people don't believe that the voting process has integrity, they get angry. Because if you have politicians who are not being held accountable, the only way to hold them accountable is through the election process. There's no other way of holding these bums accountable. And you find out that maybe the election system isn't working the way it's supposed to. You suddenly realize that these characters that we elected are operating with impunity and they could care less what we think or the damage they do to us. So what we saw was building, and I do believe there were outside agitators. And what I find remarkable is that overnight, literally, since what happened on the 6th, it's now the 8th, they just put up, I think it's a 12-foot fence around the entire Capitol building. And the people that they're prosecuting, among other things, are being charged with illegal entry, unlawful entry. That's an immigration charge, too. See, you can trespass on America. These folks are all in. Just don't trespass where they work. 
And suddenly the cops that they wanted to defund are the heroes. We need more cops. We need National Guard. They, they, they attack the building where I work, where I, I do my sacred duty as a politician. Right? Doesn't know what they're saying? This must never happen. This is our place of work. They got into my office. They broke my desk. Oh, okay. What about the businesses that were burned to the ground by the rioters? You know, the peaceful demonstrators with the flames and the buildings that were burned to the ground. And those buildings aren't coming back. Many stores are leaving permanently. Why would you put up a store in a neighborhood that doesn't have police? And the politicians have made it clear that they have no intentions of restoring safety to the street. We had so many upscale stores in New York. It was, it was an amazing place, New York. I'm a native New Yorker. Many of those stores are gone, and they've, and they've walked away. We're not coming back. So now New York has lost a major tax base, and de Blasio, the genius mayor, is running around. The Fed's got to bail us out. Well, why aren't you protecting the businesses and the people? Understand what's happening. So we have censorship in America. I was watching a program yesterday on um, the Jewish broadcast system, and it was three law professors, three constitutional scholars who specialize, among other things, in the First Amendment, freedom of speech. And one of them was Alan Dershowitz. And I'm a huge Dershowitz fan. Um, many years ago, I went to a memor- Holocaust memorial service. My first wife's parents had been through the Holocaust. My mother-in-law was in a concentration camp. Her husband's family was decimated by those bastards. And they would get invited every year to Temple Emmanuel. Ironically, that is where I wound up marrying my second wife after my first wife died. And a number of years later, I met Susan. We got married. And we were married at Temple Emmanuel. It's a huge synagogue. It's it's for the Jews what St. Patrick's Cathedral is for the Catholics. And they're not far apart either, which is the beauty of New York, the diversity of New York, where you focus on what makes you most similar, not what makes you most different, which is what all Americans must do if we're going to get out of this mess. This divisiveness is toxic and it's dangerous and it's un-American. And Dershowitz spoke, and it was just amazing. He must have spoken for over an hour, and, and, and I, I was upset when he stopped speaking. And I'm a pretty tough critic on public speaking. I was going to teach that on the college level, but Dershowitz is brilliant. And there was a woman who spoke, and she was actually the president of the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, and I've had some pretty good fights with them, both on television programs and in courtrooms. But they were all in agreement about how dangerous it is when you shut down speech. So guess what? Twitter permanently canceled President Trump's Twitter account. Now, understand something. I don't like hate speech. I abhor it. I, I hate hate speech in, in point of fact. And my kids know the N-word or anything that ever smelled of that. Don't you dare even think those, those words in my house. We need to have respect for people. We need to treat each other with compassion and empathy. And that's really what's been mass- missing, empathy. Everyone's so grammatically challenged we've become a nation of people that conjugate verbs in the first person singular me myself and i are the three most important people we know if you're able to put yourself in the shoes of the other person you might come to very different conclusions about how to deal with other people my parents taught me that very important life lesson so dershowitz was there and this woman from the aclu was there and i loved when the aclu used to have as their slogan used to I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That's right. I want to know what people are thinking. And when they speak their minds, you find out who the, the dangerous ones are, and you understand what's going on. And that's super important, isn't it? Isn't it? But now we're going to shut it down. I've done debates on college campuses. You can't do that anymore because you are risking physical assault if you dare to have a different viewpoint. We're at our best when we are challenged to understand what we believe and how we get to that conclusion. And I'm always challenging my belief system. I get it wrong. And you learn by reconsidering where you stand on certain issues. That's how you grow. Uh, Voltaire, uh, the philosopher, the French philosopher, said you judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. The questions they ask. The biggest return from the space program is the next set of questions. Question things. Try to find the truth. It's a journey. Now we're being told what the truth is. Follow the science. Whose science? Our science. 
Is there only one brand? I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine just a couple of months ago about the science Nazis. You know, there's only one version of science. Um, I had cancer 20 years ago. The first thing that my doctor, he was uh, the, one of the doctors who devised the PSA tests, world-class surgeon, world-class oncologist. And what did he say to me? He said, Mr. Cutler, before you decide if you want me to be your doctor, if you want me to do your surgery, I urge you to get at least one second opinion. Think about that. We always want that second opinion because people make mistakes. Science is a, a journey. And as much as we thought we knew about the universe, Hubble got launched, that telescope opened our eyes literally to the universe, and suddenly scientists and physicists saw things in the universe we had no idea about. And that journey is continuing. There'll be another space telescope launched sometime this year if it goes as planned. I think it's the James Webb Telescope, which will open up our eyes still further and our minds still further. And then you look at what Orwell did. Orwell removed words from the vernacular. Why? Because if you remove words, you remove the thoughts that the words represent. So Donald Trump can't use Twitter. The president of the United States has been censored by a private company that nobody elected. Think about how dangerous that is. Maybe you don't like what Trump has to say. That's fine. But the idea that you could stop him from being heard, the president of the United States, and tonight, and this was a biggie, Apple apparently is shutting down Parler. Take a deep breath. Apple is shutting down Parler. The answer to Twitter, because they weren't scrutinizing what was being put on the website quite the same way. And you could argue that maybe the real reason that they wanted to shut down Trump's account is because he wanted to go after that, that the Section 230 that would hold them accountable for the, the censorship that they impose on the people that use the website. They're acting more like a publication doing editing. It would be one thing if they flagged an article that said, we don't believe this is accurate. No, but they're not content to do that. So again, if you're against hate speech, who gets to decide what constitutes hate speech? I've been told that the word alien is hate speech. Hate speech. The term alien is a legal term. It appears throughout the Immigration and Nationality Act. And it's defined simply as any person who is not a citizen or national of the United States. Where's the insult? Where's the hatred? It's like saying Charlie is a good friend, but he's not part of my family. Is it accurate? Yeah, he's not a relative. He's a good friend. You come to America, you're not an American citizen, you're an alien. You go to Canada, you're not a citizen of Canada. When you cross that border, guess what? You become an alien. No flying saucer involved. It's simply a statement of immigration status that you are not a citizen. You look at all the anger and all the frustration, and Trump should have known better. His son came out there, and my gosh, you know, you're either with my father or you're against him. And then people started chanting, fight for Trump. It disturbed me. My son picked up on it right away. We talked about it. It should have been fight for America. Fight for America. Fight for, for freedom. Fight, fight to defend, or not even fight, defend. Defend America. Defend our Constitution. Defend the sacred vote. Incendiary language when people are frustrated and angry is dangerous. That's why you're not allowed to shout fire in a crowded theater. And I really believe that he was shouting fire in a crowded theater. But so have so many other politicians, in fairness. Maxine Waters saying, get in their faces. I don't care if they're in a gas station or a department store. Get in their faces. If they're in a restaurant, make them leave. Kamala Harris said, the demonstrators aren't going anywhere. Beware. Beware. Be advised is one thing, but beware is beware. Uh, there's a fire. Beware. Uh, you know, there's a radiation leak. Beware. There's so many politicians of late who have gone over the top with their rhetoric, not only aiming it at their opponents, but at average Americans who might favor one party or one politician over another. That's what freedom of choice is about. That's what freedom of expression is about. I disagree with what you say, but I defend to the death your right to say it. And if, in fact, it turns out, if we want to talk about the Holocaust since, and the Third Reich, since Mr. Biden brought it up today, Goebbels and the big lie, think about the fire at the Reichstag, the German parliament. If it turns out, and I don't know what happened, and we need a full accounting for what happened, 
that this was a staged event by agitators who embedded themselves within peaceful Trump protesters. And by the way, how many protests has Trump had? How many marches has he had? Zero violence. They don't even drop cigarette butts on the floor. And suddenly these people were unhinged. And, you know, when you have a stampede inciting to riot, it doesn't take uh, a lot of people to get everybody to stampede. Again, think of crying fire in the crowded theater. Now, some news reports were saying that Antifa wasn't there. Uh, I heard Louis Gohmert speaking. I know Louis. I've been with him at events. He's a great congressman, saying that he spoke to the Capitol Police the day before, and they told him that they had been briefed that Antifa might be involved. And here's the analogy I used. You know, I spoke about the fence and the border wall. Let's use another analogy. The idea of bad actors embedding themselves within a group of innocuous people doesn't only apply to what happened at the Capitol. And this is something that I've testified about before congressional hearings in both the House and Senate. How many times have terrorists embedded themselves among refugees fleeing violence in their home country? Think about that. And that was the whole point to what was called a travel ban, and it was never a travel ban, and Trump needed to be clear. It was an entry restriction, and there's a world of difference between a travel ban and an entry restriction. Sloppy language. What we now have is a travel ban when you can't get out of your house. Suddenly we have border security. Suddenly Cuomo wants to know why in the world we're letting people in from Europe because they may have this new variation of the COVID virus. So now they want immigration enforcement. But when people run the Mexican border... Who knows they're here? Who's screening them? Right? Think about that. Think about that. Chuck Schumer years ago proposed legislation that would make trespassing on critical infrastructure and national landmarks a felony that would require or, or provide for a maximum of five years in a federal jail. Jump on a bridge, climb a monument, break into the Capitol, you need to go to jail for five years. Okay? I agree. And he even mentioned a 16-year-old boy back then who climbed the World Trade Center while it was under construction, what was tentatively called the Freedom Tower, the replacement, although you can't replace those twin towers. And he said that 16-year-old boy that climbed up there to take a selfie, he needs to be prosecuted, 16-year-old boy. But the same Schumer would tell you that when people trespass on America, we should be giving them citizenship. The disconnect, the hypocrisy is off the charts. To have so-called journalists justify the riots that we saw in Washington that they, again, the big lie, not violent, nothing to see here, folks. And meanwhile, you've got people, I think it was Velchi over at CNN, over his shoulder, you could see buildings burning. It's largely a peaceful demonstration besides the fires. Besides the fires. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? So you want to talk about the big lie? We're bombarded by it constantly, and we're getting it from all the politicians, and they work in cahoots. In fact, the House and Senate rushed through a bill that would open up the gates for H-1B high-tech workers. You know, we were told they would never work together. Well, they work together. This is a lousy piece of legislation, and guess who stopped it? President Trump. Yet another reason for a lot of people to be really angry with Trump because he spoiled their plans to dis. Uh, to unemploy Americans and bring in cheap labor. These decisions are screwing over American workers and American families. And it's so remarkable that the American dream is no longer believed to be possible for most Americans, but they have the chutzpah to come up with the dream act. And for all the ranting and raving about how the word alien is inappropriate and hate speech, dream act, most people have forgotten it, is an acronym for Development Relief and Education for, guess what, alien minors. So the DREAM Act that no longer seems to be on the horizon for Americans is the justification for providing God knows how many illegal aliens with lawful status in our country. Understand the problem. Does that help Americans to feel as though the government is looking out for their best interests? You expect my loyalty, then why shouldn't I have the opportunity to expect the loyalty of my own government and the people that we elect to represent us? Is that too much to ask for? With all the emotions the way they were, Trump was wrong for what he said. It's just very simple. shouldn't have happened. And we were treated to what I call the grievance tour. 
He went down to try to help to get two senators elected in Georgia, and he spent 99% of the time talking about how unfair the election was. So if you wonder why people didn't turn out, maybe it has something to do with how Trump kept saying they stole the election. And a final point that I want you to think about, I believe there were many irregularities in the voting process. Um, from what I could see in the public realm, and you don't know until you're there, by the way. These are just rumors and stories and anecdotes. Someone said, oh, this woman said such and such. You've got to record, make a copy of that recording because it's going to disappear, and there's your evidence. I said, what evidence? Some woman making a recording on YouTube and saying this is what happened. You don't even know her name, and where, where's the corroboration? I've seen documents. Who were you and what documents, and how do I know they weren't counterfeit? People need to understand what the threshold for evidence is. Now, as an agent, that's all we dealt with. As the old Jack Webb show, Dragnet, you know, the facts, just the facts. But the anecdotal stories are troubling. However, there's no way this was going to be proven in time for the inauguration. So this, again, adds to the frustration and everything else. And it's funny because I was discussing with my wife and my youngest son what happened to Richard Nixon back in 1960 when he lost a very razor-thin election to JFK. And I became a big fan of JFK, and I actually briefly met Richard Nixon because he had his office after he left the White House in my federal building in New York. He was a very pleasant man, I thought, although I had big problems with Watergate. But he was told that there were allegations that dead people voted in Illinois, and if they hadn't been able to vote, he would have won the election. And he looked at all the circumstances and he said, there's no way that I'm going to be able to gather up conclusive evidence before the inauguration to show that this election was rigged or false or, or whatever, or there would have been a different outcome. And besides that, from what I've read, he was concerned of the damage that would be done to America if he made a big issue out of this thing and restored and, and, um, and took the confidence the American people had in their own government. It was a pro-American move, he felt, on his part. Now, we must have accountability in the election process. And if you look at COVID and the mail-in ballots and all these anecdotal stories and all those sacks of what they think were, or, or, or cases or what they think were votes, ballots, we don't know. You know, as an agent, you think you have information. You have to get a search warrant. You don't go into the magistrate and say, yeah, I saw a guy with a big satchel. Well, what was in the satchel? I don't know, but I'll bet you there were drugs in that satchel. Based on what? A hunch. In fact, we occasionally had people dump duffel bags in the trunks of their car. And we were reluctant to stop them because sometimes they wanted enough. They were being followed. And we had a case like that. Guy, we know he's a drug dealer, puts two duffel bags in the trunk of his car and takes off like a bat out of hell. And we had police officers working with us up at the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So he blew a red light and he made an illegal turn. And one of the cops assigned to our group pulled the guy over for motor vehicle violations, and he said, open your trunk. And the guy opened the trunk, and there's the duffel bags, and we jump out of the cars, and we open up the duffel bags, and you know what was in the duffel bags? Dirty laundry. Stop and think about it. Imagine if I had said to some judge, I saw duffel bags, I know the guy's a drug dealer, you've got to get me a search warrant. Well, wait a minute, what was in the duffel bags? It's very possible there were votes, there were ballots in, in those containers. I'm not saying it's not possible. But what's not possible versus what is are two very different things. We need to cool our jets, but most of all, folks, for this year, I want you to make a New Year's resolution, that you will take your responsibilities as a citizen of this great nation seriously. Please sit down with your neighbors, the ones you've been arguing with for the past four years. Get away from talking about the parties and the personalities. Just talk about the issues. The reason why people believe that the government is no longer looking out for the best interests of the average American. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, 99% of us would come to the same conclusions that we have the same exact concerns. There is so much more that makes us similar that makes us different. Don't let the politicians poison the well. We as Americans must stand united against the tyranny of the politicians, the lying media, and the corporations that are getting the best government money can buy. We can make a difference, but we need to sit down and have meaningful, peaceful conversations with our neighbors. Please remember, folks, that democracy is not a spectator sport. 
that needs to be your New Year's resolution. There's lots of stuff going on, and only we the people can make that difference. Be well. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.